review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, Todd Hastings. Todd Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Yeah, we're outlaws because we just came not. I hope this is the first episode you're listening to. I would like to listen to some wrestling content about my favorite wrestler, the one Billy Gunn. Come, come, come. Shit fuck. Ass. Yeah. Ass and come and come and ass. Coming in asses is not something we do. Because most people find it uncomfortable. That's right. We listen to people. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this week we are continuing our, um, some would say unnecessary. Billy Gunn Yeah, voyage. unnecessarily detailed um, discussion of uh, Monty. Thank you. I'm deleting the part where you said it was unnecessarily detailed, and I'm going to put necessarily yeah, Monty detailed. Monty Kipsop, also known as uh, William Gunn, also known as Number One Billy Gunn, also known as The One Billy Gunn, mm-hmm. also known as mm-hmm. um, Mr. Ass, also known as Badass Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're talking about Billy Gunn. And B.A. Billy Gunn, which we'll talk about before they said ass on WWF television. They call him B.A. For some reason, it was B.A. Billy Gunn. That's right. He was very briefly B.A. Billy Gunn when they had him still in just um, clearly the roadies' other trunks. Because they're like, you're a tag team. Which is very funny because if you look at that time period. So if if you look at that time period, this is literally Billy Gunn calls how women dress now. Belly top. Belly top top, tights. Tights that are appropriating native culture. You're right, Dylan. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly, because they're outlaws. Aren't you Mr. Blackwell, huh? Ooh, uh, are you the one Billy Gunn, ma'am? Because you dress like Billy Gunn. Please leave me alone. Oh, I expected that. <laughs> I guess you're probably not good at talking because Billy Gunn was not known for his promos. Get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> he asked, this is, this is some, uh, there's some insane stuff we're about to talk about, but we left off. On the what did you say? This is this is probably greater than Homer's Odyssey. No? Oh my God! This is the Odyssey plus pills. This is the Odyssey plus somas. Because basically, what it is is <laughs> Billy Gunn is a he's a good he's a good man from the south. He occasionally will take a sleeping pill. He might have a vodka, but not too many. Oh yeah. And now he is just oh, he's no, just no. formed a tag team with um. Uh, a guy who was so scummy, we didn't notice he had uh, cornrows or dreadlocks until hindsight came in. Here's the best thing is that he owned the road dog, Jesse James, didn't have cornrows. At first, he just wore a bandana because he still wanted to look like a pill dealer, but he wanted to look like a guy who's just starting out as a pill dealer. And then once he had the cornrows, it was like, oh, this guy, this guy knows where this guy's making his own lewds and they're just as good as the old stuff. Yeah, this guy is totally fine with his flirt being like, you want to suck it? All right. Yeah, there's someone who thinks it's his, he's his girlfriend, but he honestly doesn't know her name. Yeah, let's put it this way. Road Dog Jesse James will never be writing a book because it will all be just incidents is like the Moby Natalie Portman situation. <laughs> yeah, but he's Natalie Portman. Who, Road Dog? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and Moby is still Moby. We never yeah, dated. Moby is still Moby. And then I was 35. <laughs> and I dated the road dog, yeah, Jesse Yeah, I was 35, James. and I went to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I met a young wrestler named Brad Armstrong. And road dog, oh, you didn't know? We didn't date. You just asked me to sign a bunch of T-shirts, and I said, no, thank you. You're too thin and from New York. And at the time, I was afraid of those people because my dad told me that they had, were dragons. <laughs> this is what I like is that I know this has been weeks now, but the confirmation bias, because Moby is a short, bald man, everyone wanted him to think he was a little fucking nerd, and now everyone knows he's a little fucking nerd, and it's very mm. funny. He's better than a little fucking nerd. He is my most hated type of person, which is he's a nerd fuckboy guy, which is, and you're, you're, you live in Toronto, you live Ooh. in Toronto, which is a number one capital for these fucking bags of shit, which are like, Dork yeah, losers. they're like, uh, you know, I'm really awkward around women, but I like to see the tits. Like, <laughs> the New Age Outlaws form October 4th, 1997, when Billy Gunn and Jesse James stop feuding, smash a guitar over the honky-tonk man's head, and just become a tag team. Yeah. Hello, Vince Russo. Nice to see you. Okay, right. bro, here's how they become a tag team. They're feuding. They hate each other. I was talking to Paul Heyman, right, bro? Because we technically ECW is our development territory, bro, but we don't talk about it, bro. And what they're going to do, bro, is they're going to, uh, bro, 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 bro. Oh, no, he's stuck. Smack him in the head. Bro, okay, so what they do is they just hit an older guy with a guitar. That bonds them as friends, bro. Boom. Well, that's the funny thing is that everyone's talking about how they got put together and whatever. And they're a really great tag team, and people talk about it because they were such a great tag team that it was this grand stroke of genius, and Vince Russo says it, Bruce Pritchard says it, everyone pretty much has said it. They just put them together because they were like, I don't know, man, they're fighting, why don't they just be a tag team now? Like, there was no forethought But this is also it. how you get the public enemy. You get a lot of really good tag teams this way because... Um, what it does is it's they have chemistry in the ring because they can have a long-term feud. Then you put them together. It's also they just happen to be complement. They complemented each other perfectly to be a tag team, which is one guy's really good at working, one guy's really good at talking, and does five really flashy moves. Great. Like the New Age Outlaws was the biggest tag team for four or five years, and because of being in the Attitude Era, the argument could be made the biggest tag team of the nineties. I have no, no no one knows what their tandem finishing move is. Uh, they didn't have one. The road dog would just do his finisher. Yeah, it was either the road dog would do the pump handle slam or badass Billy Gunn would do the yeah. famouser. Like, that's how little thought that they went into this yeah. tag team. Like, for fuck's sakes, the Revival have a tandem finisher, and Vince McMahon thinks that they're in the women's division, and the, the New Age Outlaws <laughs> were not given a finishing move. Like, that's how little thought went into this tag team. The other thing that they didn't think well, about was... Well, the reason was, why, which we'll get into... Well, there's two things they have working for them. And basically, I mean, this is kind of going to the end before we start, but they have very complementary charisma. We're in where one of them lacks, the other one fills in. And I even mean that in the ring, where like if you were to watch a Billy Gunn match for 10 minutes, uh, snooze patrol because he's got like five moves and same thing with Road Dog. But you combine them both at the same time and you get nice variety and two different styles, by which I mean the fact that they dressed differently made sense because they were two completely different wrestlers. Like, it's always weird 
the Ascension I found to be like this, oddly, where it's like, the Ascension is one big guy and one small guy, but they both dress the same for some reason. So if they're a tag team with one big guy and one small guy, but if they're one big guy and one small guy, they should dress similar but different. By which I mean same colors but different attire. Which Fine, I will allow it. The New Age Outlaws yeah, did. I will allow that in a way. I still appreciate, I like the new, and again. But I mean, they still have team colors, they just dress differently. They don't have a uniform, but they still dress the Similarly. other thing, by the way, is the New Age Outlaws just became territory villains in the WWE, and the WWE had never yeah. seen territory bad guys. Like, when they first started, every time they came out, they were wearing jerseys of the team that was hated in that town. Or they were wearing South Park stuff. Or that's they the other wearing, thing. Or they and were Billy wearing Gunn South Park And could also do stuff. the thing where you would wear a half shirt. You'd wear a half shirt, and the guy's got nice abs, oh. and people would be saying... I don't like how this is making me how feel. How often do you wear a half shirt? Because I wear one. I'm wearing one right now. I've been leading up to getting my niece. Uh, her She wears half shirts now. And I was going to get her one. And then I was going to say, oh, yeah, why don't you wear it? Because she'll be excited to get it. And then I'll have bought the exact same shirt and I'll just wear it. But I'll have to like wear a coat and it'll be August before I unveil that I'm wearing a half shirt. And then I'm assuming she'll uh, just sit in the car angry at me while I, I mean, laugh. No, nothing about this story I don't love. <laughs> you really gain an appreciation for when you get older to an older age and uh, you think, why were my parents so like weird and just wanted to piss me off? It's because when a teenager gets mad, it's so funny. Because they still get little kid mad, but they're, they look like a grown-up. It's very oh, funny. it's the best. I really like my I like arguing with my brother about politics because there's just certain things he's totally unaware of. And like I was talking to him about how the French like when the French gave up supposedly to the Germans and how there was more to those factors. And one of his points was, well, why didn't why didn't they tell people about that? And it's like, God damn it. What a fucking beautiful soul you have. How old's your brother now? He's going to be 16 in June, baby. It's really weird. That's the. F- He's fucking jacking off all over the place, that kid. I I I I can only assume it's mostly that at this point. You should get him a bunch of uh a vino. Because his dick probably looks like it's been pushed out of a car right now. I guarantee now the Hastings penis, which is genetic it's something I've asked everyone in my family. Genetically speaking, we have very strong dick skin. Really? You've asked I, everyone I, I, I bring family. it up all the time. <laughs> We're just having Easter lunch. All right, everyone, quick question. Your dick skin. It's leather. Does it seem to not need <laughs> as much lube as most dick skins? Thank you. <laughs> well, are you working with an elephant trunk? I don't really doing? know what it is. It's more just, you know what I mean? Like some leather reacts to water differently. we got strong leather on our dicks. That's true. Unlike you fucking pussies out there with your fucking needing lube for your... No lube for me. I self-lube. My balls look Next brand new. Next level of man. John Hastings. Self-lube dick. He's got a self-lube dick. <laughs> it's a new evolution. So, he can jack off without Some people lube. think it's pee. He won't go to a doctor to confirm or deny self-lubed dick. <laughs> Speaking of someone who definitely thought his, his dick was lubed up, but it was really just in a toaster. Um, Road Dog at this point, by the way. <laughs> Dry it out. Makes it Arguably, by the go way, John. could be the greatest talker um, in the Attitude Era is the Road Dog Jesse James. B- 
because his entire entrance music was just him saying, oh, you didn't know, to the point that they had to add that entry, that yeah. music track after. There was a good long time that their their entrance music was just him walking down the ring, talking to the fans. And this yeah. goes, again, old school territory moves of them just insulting the town, everyone going, fuck these people. Um and everyone, like, I remember the Royal Rumble, the first Royal Rumble Steve Austin wins going into WrestleMania 14. Um, they come out and just cut a promo, and they're wrestling like some fucking tag team, like Joe Jam the Monkey Boy and Billy Big Bits. And it really doesn't fucking matter. And the entire match is just 15 minutes of the New Age Outlaws saying that San Jose, California sucks. And that's it. Which is true, though. Yeah, it's a great, it's a gross place filled with gross people. I honestly think that you could really get life out of just being a territory heel if the territory heel was someone like me or you who had actually been to these places and bombed. I think you could really get a got like just a road comedian would be very good at being a heel because it was just like it's take out your career and you have specific points about the town you already don't like. Yeah, that's basically it. Is you have to do a bit of research. It's also it's pointed to why AEW is going to be successful is because they're just going to rip off old territory tricks for the first five or six years, and people will be like, "This is fucking crazy good and interesting." No, you what I think they'll do, which which would be really really smart. I mean, I just I just hope they do this. Is just really once in a while, just copy. The old uh, World Championship Wrestling NWA Crockett Territory thing where they're in a small sound studio and there's two commentators and the commentators are like three feet away from the ring and you just beat a jobber, do a promo, rinse and repeat for an hour. I could watch those all day. Yeah, oh, it's weird. And what you also want is Ric Flair just coming out and constantly accusing people of sleeping with teenagers while he's sleeping with actual women. That's, I mean, that's the best. <laughs> How are you supposed to cheer for the Rock and Roll Express when the guy comes out and he's like, I might have a lot of money and a drinking problem, but at least I bang grown-ups. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of the entire uh, promo. Yeah. What a definable trait. What what worse a definable trait is there than, oh, this guy's a really good guy, except for he dates just young teens. Okay, well, that erases everything he's ever done that's good. Uh, what about this guy? Well, he fucks actual women. Consent is a real sands on a beach issue with him, but um, he has expensive loafers. Well, I guess he's our guy. Well, he is yelling about them. Back to the New Age Outlaws. Uh, they form a tag team very quickly. There is talks early fucking on that they're going to be put with DX. Triple H apparently vetoes it um, because, um, and Michaels veto it because they're like, oh, we don't need them. They're not over yet. This is really stupid. Um, you immediately see that DX and the New Age Outlaws are very similar, and you know that they're. As a fan watching, then you're like, well, they have to be aligned in some way because they're all just, they're such naughty boys. They're just being naughty boys together. And the other thing is that they are anytime, I think there's a Survivor Series match where the New Age Outlaws team with DX. It's a no, it's a no way, it's no way out where China, it's no No way way out. out. Okay. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like for DX and the New Age Outlaws to kind of work in the shitty way they are heels, obviously you can't have them be outnumbered and then still get away 
And the outlaws did, like, as you said, they would come out, road dogs, they're, for a while, their uh, entrance music was just road dog talking, which they had never really given him a mic before, so this was all a revelation. It's all, it's just very apparent, like, these guys were both primed to be stars, it's just they finally found an avenue that was absolutely perfect for them, and the reason they didn't have a finishing move for the longest time is because, like you said, they were territory heels, which means every single time they would win one match because they cheated, like when they won the like they won the tag titles I think from the yeah they won the tag titles from the headbangers with the great stereo spot that I always remember because Jim Ross was like why aren't they disqualifying them the stereos all over the ring and they clarified no you actually have to see the cheating or just I think King just said that on his feet and it was a really good explanation like it was a really good like okay well that's a rule i guess that is the greatest launching pad for a new team i've ever seen is how they beat the legion of doom the headbangers oh the the legion of doom yeah they they let's let's this be said like they also beat the legion of doom at one point for the tag titles and they were like refu- i think road dog tells a story where they refused to check the titles because like we had just you have to understand we were lifelong wrestling fan. i was a lifelong wrestling fan i had just beaten the legion of doom for the world titles like i want everyone to know which is really cool they are basically they go on a pretty fucking fast they become the new age outlaws and basically what happens is road dog jesse james does a lot of drugs and they make an absolute immediate splash in the system and just go after the legion of doom basically what Every what has night, happened is the road dog Jesse James, in Billy Gunn's eyes, tries to commit suicide and then goes to bed. And every day he wakes up and Billy Gunn goes, I mean, maybe that's fun. <laughs> and then the one Billy Gunn later on is born, yeah, if you basic, know what I mean. Basically what happens is every day, um, uh, every air conditioner in every hotel room that they have to live in just gets filled with pee. And then... <laughs> it's also the weirdest thing about wrestling which is they're a tag team so of course they have to travel together i've never understood the logic behind that of like yeah in like the same room too because they're cheap great stuff oh just so fucking annoying yeah where billy gunn is just working out and then road dog comes back and he comes back to the room and road dog's finished off all the booze and he's just like asleep but with his eyes open yeah yeah, he's in in Billy Gunn's bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great ascension, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who's their first feud with, John? First feud is with the Legion of Doom, you fuck. It is. Sorry, I was trying to... If it was them, Chainsaw Charlie... Legion of Doom first, because this is the the this is the, this is the most Attitude Era meets before Attitude Era moment. Legion of Doom have essentially been over like rover for 15 years their move is they come in they beat you up they leave they sell nothing and the wwf very smartly was like we gotta move past these guys they're the same and they had the road dog jesse james and badass billy gunn beat the fuck out of them by cheating a lot they hit them with chairs they throw them through a table the research shows that Shawn michaels and triple h helped with this i don't remember that i remember it literally just being they caught hawk on the outside tossed him through the table they shaved Hawk's head. Like, they just did everything to Hawk, and which makes sense because you always, for some reason, assumed Hawk was the weaker one. When, if looking back, clearly Animal is a fat idiot, and Hawk is one of those guys that's like, well, I've done some math, but now let's go to the gym. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at this point also, Hawk, of course, is going to be the one you kind of used to beat up on because he is, as you said, Mr. Cocaine. Oh, yeah. And, by the way, by the New Age Outlaws beating them strong for the tag titles, it put them over huge as champions, and it also made a memorable yeah. moment of like, wait, what the fuck? And also, the Legion of Doom never responded because of a variety of issues with Hawk's personal life and also the direction of the company. They never got revenge. So it was literally like, oh, the New Age Outlaws beat them decisively, and that's the end of that story. Yeah. Like, this is why we align them with D- with DX is because during they shaved uh, Hawks, one of Hawks Mohawks with DX, which is basically okay. like, let's do a shit hell thing. So they are outnumbered. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of... Um, and this is when they pitch DX and the Outlaws getting together, but... They're not over enough, only, of course, this is where we're going to end the episode. Not now, but, like, we're jumping ahead, but, like, this is when, um, oh, no, this, what am I saying? This isn't the end of the episode. But the only reason that the Outlaws, of course, get into DX is because um, Sean they wanted a stable behind Triple H because, yeah, because they didn't have confidence in his charisma yet, which is totally just Sean Michaels being a fucking dick. He's looking at it and going, I don't like these guys, they're jobbers, where it's like, no, that was three years ago. They are way fucking big and way more important than... And by the way, the best DX yeah. was... Within the span of six months, they've gotten over. Yeah, way crazy. over, and also, like, doing your shtick, but better. Because, again, Sean Michaels was just doing... Was just being Ric Flair, but saying ass... At, in DX, that's all. That's all he was yeah, doing. Yeah. And Triple H was just being Arn Anderson, but saying "but." <laughs> yeah, it, Triple. Yeah, Shawn Michaels was new metal Ric Flair. That's all he was. Also, very fun fact is apparently uh, Road Dog hit Animal with a chair. Uh, Animal said the shot was too hard, um, and uh, Road Dog uh, was challenged to a fight by Animal, um, and nothing ever happened. It was just Animal being a bitch, yeah. which I'm like, oh, how fun. Yeah. Road Dog basically challenged Animal to a fight, Animal, and then nothing ever happened because the win-loss there is Animal needs people to be scared of him, and Road Dog is like, no, man, I'm a Marine. Like, Road Dog was in the Marine, so even though he looks like a bag of wet potatoes, like, he could fuck up Animal for sure. Like, for sure, he would have beaten the shit out of animals. I guarantee that his dad... Sometimes was Bob Armstrong and sometimes was Bullet in the house. So you just wake up and there's a drunk fat man wearing a mask in their house. Dad's dead. Bullet's here. Time for push-ups. <laughs> I imagine he probably said something like, scooping a man's eye out of his skull's a lot like opening up a pickle jar, except I don't like opening pickle jars. Armstrong's don't cry. Here's the here's the hint, son. The entire time I'm fighting someone, I'm fully erect. It's a strategy. You're going to war. I went to war in a way. I I was part of the territory wars between Jerry Jarrett and the Pafos. Same thing as being in Vietnam. <laughs> I fought Macho Man every day for six years. Everybody knows that if you one time have sex with a woman wearing a condom, your child will choke on a plastic bag. <laughs> Billy Gunn, by the way, is very positive about his relationship between Triple H, um, although he does refer to him as Sean's little sidekick during this period. All that sort of stuff. Basically, they're just fucking over. It's super exciting. They are 
the personification of heels you want to cheer for and also hate. For some reason, by the way, the WWE, and this is a clear beginning of Vince McMahon's true delusion that he's really entered into now, which is he doesn't know what South Park is. He probably thinks it's a clothing line. So the New Age Outlaws just start wearing South Park t-shirts. And I cannot describe to you how fucking cool South Park was in 1997. Like, it was... There was a, ma a magazine in my school library that just had Cartman on the cover. And so many people stole it. Yeah. And this is something they don't do anymore where absolutely everything about wrestling is branded now so you couldn't do anything like this they would just immediately have their own stupid fucking yeah. shirt you know what i mean like it's it's so much more important when you're at the nexus of a character because i think they did this really really well like the because the, they weren't for the first bit they weren't the new age outlaws they didn't come out okay this is the new age outlaws immediately they earned the nickname like jr gave them the nickname the out the JR called the called them the outlaws, and then at some point someone added New Age, and then away we fight. Yeah, Billy Gunn. There's a there's a match between Dude Love and the Road Dog where Billy Gunn literally says, "I like that name, the Outlaws. We're the New Age Outlaws, JR." And then <laughs> that's it. That's how they're named. Like it just kind of came up. It wasn't like a thing. Obviously, it just kind of came up, which is how all the good names. I mean, so, uh, all right, I should all the good names, but like 50-50, when, you know, a spark of uh, well, name, genius, as when it were. One thing that, that's been come up with specifically by the WWF creative team that worked long term. I can't think of anything. Icy McFreeze. Oh, you're right. Chili, Chili McDagger was a real... I mean, Hulkamania, no, probably. Hulkamania was invented in the AWA, and they just copied it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with the WWF. That yeah, they just kind of take thing things. Vince McMahon's a really good promoter. He's really good at the business side of it. Everything else, he's very bad at. Yeah, he can get people to come, but the show he presents them with is weird. Is madness. Ah, welcome to the first time I have no editor. First match: Gerald Briscoe versus the Smell of Farts. Ah, <laughs> 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 he literally had himself versus god so this, that's not even that far off the smell of farts <laughs> Ooh, briscoe's down Dean farts Ambrose wins is, as if this recording has just left uh the wwe for AEW and has done a shoot interview with chris jericho that um as far as all of the internet preview i'm gonna listen to it in the gym in a little bit uh as far as i can tell visit oh man it's like uh it's as it's as illuminating as the CM Punk interview. Apparently, Vince McMahon cries a lot. He um, <laughs> he's weird and old now. Like yeah. he's, his senility is creeping up on him. He's in his Reagan years for sure. This is 1989 Reagan. By that I mean you're, he's selling a lot of cocaine to some Hispanics. <laughs> hey, I just this is a, a state of the union. I just have to ask you: Am I wearing it's pants? It's a beautiful morning in America. Which one of you is Nancy? She's my wife and my mom. Nancy's my wife and my mom. Nancy's my wife and my mom. I'm the son and I'm the daddy. Daddy can't hurt the son no more because I'm sleeping with mommy. I fucked my mom and I made me. I fucked my mom and I made a little Ronnie. Now little Ronnie will be safe. We're single Ronald Reagan notwithstanding the uh his openly his open belief that uh, death in a nuclear war would be the beginning of the rapture is of course the fact he called his wife mummy 
Yeah, oh, that's that is so weird. It is so weird. Weird, weird, weird. Check this out. So this is also during the Legion of Doom starting that they're going to put on screen the problems that Hawk has with pills. He also says the greatest interview line of all time, which is, you guys call yourselves outlaws. I'm an outlaw. My only alarm clock in Chicago was a rat biting my yeah, dick. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I've brought it up four times on this podcast, sprinkled out through the couple years we've been doing it. No, anytime, anytime I can. A rat biting my dick. <laughs> oh, must be eight o'clock. <laughs> the rat's biting my dick. I can't state this enough. The worst idea for a promo I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, are supposed to be post-apocalyptic gas yeah. people. You don't have them, like... And sometimes I go to a coffee shop. Yeah, it's just... They just don't know how to... They just really show they don't know how to adjust. Yeah, I mean, but what are you supposed to do, right? Like, and obviously, had they... I think they could have squeezed a couple more years out of their run had... Um, Hawk just not done all the things to his body that he did to his body, but... Wrong! Dylan's dumb. That's true. Anyway, so this is a really good thing, too, because they're the Outlaws are bullies when they're big heels, by which I mean their next feud is with Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack, and they do the greatest thing. Yes, let's get into that after the... Oh, yes, of course. Let's take a break, come back. Hey Dylan, have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him. But then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus separately. I, I don't I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers Bar Hummus Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. Or rate and subscribe on iTunes, or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn, fucking turn, break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer and use your fucking dick grabbers to give us some fucking money. Oh, we're back. Now, the year is 1998. Bill Clinton is still Ooh, going. It's a good year. Raw dog on girls consensually, as long as you ignore the power dynamic. <coughs> and the New Age Outlaws begin Booyah. with Mick Foley. This is Mick Foley at the height of... Looking back, it's the worst idea ever. He, Mick Foley, it's... Oh, he's been hit in the head so many times, he thinks he's three people. I like that idea. I do and I don't, because it's a bit too close to the truth of what Mick Foley's later years will be. <laughs> like you know Mick, Mick, Foley, Mick Foley is I love him so much as a wrestler you also know he's going to hit 65 and start showing up at events looking glassy eyed with a very concerned wife behind him I don't know I think that at least what I'm hoping is his body has taken the toll that and his head is fine because weirdly him and Bubba Ray Dudley. Bubba Ray Dudley's a crazy one where people do not remember the fact that Bubba Ray Dudley 
for 300 days a year for like six years just took unprotected chair shots to the head where i think his brain is just like nope we uh, we can't be touched shoot me in the head with a bullet i'll just produce a bullet that is a chair interesting look at those chair shots he takes in ecw and the chair shots he takes in all the tlc matches they're insane other than the fact that Every time he falls forward, which is not how physics would work, Bubba Ray Dudley. Anyway, so they they take their they take all of their punchings out on LOD, and then they start feuding with Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. And in one of the craziest things I ever saw uh, growing up, they put Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie into a dumpster, lock it, and push them off of the stage. And now what what happens when you throw someone off a stage is they land on a crash pad and these guys just landed onto concrete because they're both insane. Yeah, and they're in a dumpster. By the way, they were in an actual dumpster that's a dumpster. They're in an actual dumpster. Because, oh, by the way, this is how they set up the that match. Um, uh, Vince, uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, oh, no, not Vince McMahon. Cactus Jack just wants to have a match uh, with himself. So he has a hardcore match and then Terry yeah. comes on and... Um, um, uh, comes out and starts fighting him instead. Yeah. Yep. That's it. They would do that all the time where Cactus Jack and Terry Funk would get bored so they would just start fighting each other. Yeah, it's the fucking best slash worst thing I've ever seen. It's like, so they have the match, the New Age Outlaws come out, throw them off the side of the thing. They have, uh, they nearly die and it sets up the feud that really, I think, defines the New Age Outlaws, which is New Age Outlaws versus Cactus Jack, and for some reason, Terry Funk demands to be Chainsaw Charlie, which is one of the big first missteps of the Attitude Era. Yeah. It's not Terry Funk. It's for some reason he's a different person, and I hate it so fucking much. I hate it so much. I hate it. Do you like it? I don't like it. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, but I don't understand why Terry Funk didn't want to just be Terry Funk. He wanted to be Chainsaw Charlie, but I mean, maybe that's because he was a mid-carder? I don't know. I can't understand why. Because he didn't have a problem being Terry Funk in WCW 2000, but I mean that was after this. But I just what don't it get was it. Was that he liked he liked that um, uh, Mick Foley was different characters, so he wanted to do that too. <laughs> All right, I mean he's Terry Funk; he can do whatever he wants. But it's just so weird to be like, I'm not Roman Reigns; I'm Bob Sakabuda. What? Yeah, I'm like Roman Reigns, but check out these hats. Yeah, it's the weirdest. Th- it's the weirdest thing about Terry Funk is that um, he basically he just really likes he just likes ideas and he tries to do them over and over. Like you you know that he started doing the moonsault because he saw the great Muda do it and he was like, "Hey, era, I'll do that too." Yeah, with no knees. I think that was like he got both his knees replaced. He's like, "I do a moonsault now." And everyone was like, "Please don't." And he's like, "Too late. I'm drunk." Yeah, he liked the look of ECW, so he just went in and started taking concussive chair shots. Like he's like, "Just stop it, please." Yeah, he started that when he was in his forties. Like that's when he started that. Oh, he's such a fucking maniac. Yeah, what if John Cena started doing? Hardcore matches, like Big Japan-style hardcore matches right now. Like, that's what Terry Funk did. I, if, it, if his Hollywood career goes downhill, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we saw. It, that haircut's insane. He looks like a fucking steroided-up pedophile that, with that fucking haircut. It's nuts. It looks, so, it looks so much like crazy, weird hair plugs. Like, it's just he got a bad just-for-men job and then got hair plugs. Like, it's like every—and he's like a— just shave your head, man. I don't. It doesn't make you look 
it looks like he's preparing for an American Dad live action movie when John Cena has more him. Like, more like just for me, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's true. That's pretty much toast looking like that. There you go. So this is the forming of the new DX is the Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack feud because they are in a cage. Yeah, they have the Wrestle... No, no. They first have the WrestleMania 4 dumpster match, which is so fucking crazy. Like, you look back and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, they had that match at WrestleMania 4. To the point that... Um, uh, it was WrestleMania 4. Uh, it was WrestleMania 14. No, you said WrestleMania no, 4, so I'm going I with didn't. that. It was WrestleMania 4. No, it was not part of the tur- yeah, tournament to crown the new world champion, you fuck. Uh, no, it was. In the ter- dumpster match, Terry Funk uh, got so injured, he had such severe internal bleeding. But he, as it, we learned from the research, thank you very much, Mr. Hobson, Terry Funk won't sell injuries to anyone but his wife. So when he's hurt, his wife has to convince people to help her help her husband. Yeah, she Vicky would know whether Terry was hurt or injured, and he didn't want to, based on whoever you listen to, either sell that he was injured to take days off or make Billy Gunn feel bad. So he just said he wasn't injured. And then Bruce Pritchard, he said, well, what do you need to do? What do you need from me? Bruce said to Terry, and Terry said, six screwdrivers. So he just got a bunch of orange juice, put vodka in it, and then Terry Funk drank that in the back of the ambulance. Bear in mind, um, the injury was that he had... He had a bruise the length of his entire back and his ass was all black from internal bleeding. And he was still like, I'm okay. Like, Jesus fucking great. Oh, just get me a couple screwdrivers. Because in the end, what is Terry Flunk if not? He has the... (laughs) I like that Terry Flunk likes the style of drink of like a a 60s housewife. You know what I mean? Like, let's get fucked up. Smoke some long cigarettes. Hey, because uh, like, you know that he's like, he's that weird type of that's a healthy thing because it's got juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's orange juice. Yeah. No, I don't think you, it's a diet. I'm on orange juice and then I put somas in it. Like you are, you know, like how like there's like the idea there was a time when the, a sandwich was a really healthy thing. <laughs> yeah. The hell stuff of the 60s is wonderful. Just diet pills are just like, take this speed. It makes you go fast dieting. Do you like speed? Me. And then the person's gone because they've just ran away because they're on speed. Because they're on so much speed. So Sean leaves and they're going to create a new DX. They knew that if they just brought in X-Pac that it would basically be implied that they're getting the one, two, three kid to replace Shawn Michaels. So they bring in the New Age Outlaws and, in their mind, make the new metal four horsemen. Absolutely. It's also uh, the first time this formation is the first time the, the phrase the click was ever uttered on Monday Night Raw and not referring to Shawn Michaels fans, but the actual um, group in the back that shit in people's bags and were horrible bullies. Yeah, baby. Xbox comes out. He cuts a promo about how uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash would be stood right there, but they're being held up in contract negotiations. They're Bischoff. And then they help uh, the New Age Outlaws win the tag team titles by interfering in a steel cage match. One of my biggest pet peeves. If it's a steel cage match, no one can interfere. Hence, steel cage. But this is the ni- this is 1998. Those rules are going to be broken. And this is another one of, this is the rebranding of the WWF, by which I mean, like, 
They've recently switched to the chain link fence back from the big blue yeah. fence, and they're doing blood. So it's a, a classic 1970s, we've locked the cage doors, the heels are going to beat up the baby faces, will have a greater effect. Also, by aligning themselves with the New Age Outlaws, they were huge baby faces earlier. And they've turned back into heels. It's a really cool thing where they were baby faces, X-Pac and Triple H were. Because they didn't do a heel promo. They just said, we're going to take over whatever. Like, it's not necessarily a heel promo. They didn't shit on the town or the fans or even like a ba- another baby face. And then by coming out and aligning themselves with the Outlaws, because the Outlaws were such shithead fucking heels, they've turned themselves cool heel and... But obviously, everyone loves the Outlaws so much. Everyone loves DX and X-Pac during this time. As silly as that sounds, everyone loved X-Pac during this time. Because it was cool to see, finally, they got someone from WCW. They eventually just turn babyface, the whole team does. It's fucking crazy. And also, they turn babyface by the next pay-per-view. By the time you get to WWF Unforgiven, they're like, oh, thank God they're here. And they're building towards a feud with the nation. Um, Other things to note of this period, which are, it's... This is how you put over new talent. They literally have run through two, le- like a legendary team and McFoley. And McFoley, of course, of this period is the Jake the Snake Roberts, the get someone ready for the big time. You put them with Mick for a bit. Mick will take seven crazy bumps that make it look like he's dead. And then he'll get up, ask for an egg sandwich, and go have a nap. And away you fucking go. Yeah. Some cool stuff happens during this period, such as they do a. Um was it a three-way three-way tag? So it's a six-man tag match, but not a six-man. It's two-on-two-on-two. On two on two. The innovation of the outlaw rule. Can explain this. I really enjoy it. So anybody can tag anybody in. So animals against, I think it's Billy. Yep. It's against, no, sorry. Um, animal is in the ring against Billy and then tags in the road yeah. dog. And then it's kind of the whole thing. It's like, oh, well, I guess they have to fight now. But then what happens was uh, Road Dog just lied down, Billy pinned him, and the Outlaws kept the title. And they literally would bring this up for the rest of time as the Outlaw rule and how you're not allowed to do it, and I love it so fucking much. It's great. It's just a great little thing. Like, And it just goes to show how creative everyone was during this time, where like new stuff was being innovated every week, not just the fact that the basis of the product very much was <laughs> women are skanks and we stab people now, but they also had like little stuff like this that was really cool. Absolutely. It's also one of those things where, say one of those things again, John, in this episode, oh, right, I will. Road Dog and Badass Billy Gunn are so fucking hot. They, this is brought up in the research and I completely so agree. So fucking hot. I, I agree. I agree with it. Is they make new DX relevant again. And also they did the smart thing by not calling it new DX. But when they joined this version of Degeneration X, yeah. they're, they're the thing where you're like, that's the final piece that's missing and makes it good again. Oh, I was going to say kind of weirdly like how Bullet Club is now, where it's like, as long as you have one or two surviving members of the old stable, they they make it kind of like a sports team where it's like they can just rejuvenate. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those things where the Bullet Club feels like it's like, um, I'm trying to think of a sports reference that works. They're like a middle 2000s New Jersey Devils. They were really good at one point. There you and go. now we're just sort of like, ah, they'll get there again. Yeah, of course. They just need to rejuvenate because they keep on losing their best 
player, but they'll get there again exactly like you said. They just they'll just pluck the next guy who's super charismatic, their top American heel, and then put him in the Bullet Club. And it'll what be is great. interesting about the Bullet Club, which is clearly just a tribute act to Degeneration X, Bullet Club has also. Bullet Club has proven that you can do a thing that they would have almost been smart to do with DX, which is instead of making it like this thing that was just these four guys, but it's it's just a sports team that could be a revolving door of people. It's just you have to have very smart people booking the the show to create that, and unfortunately they do not have that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also people can catch fire and they can kind of just align themselves with the Bullet Club. You know what I mean? As long as one guy doesn't look as much like the other guys, by which I mean, like, Finn Balor didn't look that much like AJ Styles, who doesn't look that much like Kenny Omega, who hopefully won't look that much like the new guy they picked to be the leader. Like, and it's pretty easy. Have they still not picked a new leader for Bullet Club? It's been a year. I don't know. I don't watch New Japan very much. I uh, have a wife. Yeah, it, th- this is the thing with modern wrestling is AEW is basically like, it may not kill the WWE, but you can kiss Ring of Honor and New Japan's relevance in North America. Bye-bye. Yeah, but AEW, I think, has a working relationship with New Japan. That all has to be ironed out and all that stuff. But yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting time to be a pro wrestling fan, And uh, I, but I still have a wife. No, I do. No, she's gonna. Um, this is okay. After WrestleMania fourteen, that's called a divorce. It's not breaking up no, anymore. No, you, she still wants to be with you because she knows your parents are gonna die and they own property. But once that's done, then you're gonna get divorced. She's in it for the fucking money, bro. <laughs> Her parents own property. Also, I'm independently wealthy, and I do this podcast because I take pity on you, John. That's not, tr- that's not true. You once made you once made me drive half an hour back to you because you left your cigarettes in my car and you couldn't afford to buy more. You piece of shit. No, it's because there were no stores no, open. No, no. I love smokes. You were crying. You and Kyle Hickey were going, we want cigarettes. Oh, autotrader.com. <laughs> yeah, he was saying autotrader.com out loud. What a fucking bitch. Autotrader.com. Uh, <laughs> Our friend Kyle used to be the lo- the spokesman for autotrader.ca. And most people, um, if you can find out the new Auto Trader spokesman and tweet at him, everybody, that would be really fun. Just say you're no Kyle Hickey. Um, is he? Oh, he's no longer the spokesman for. It's a lot of legwork involved. He's no longer the spokesman for. Uh, no, he lost Auto Trader. Oh no! He's gonna feel that. That was a spicy meatball. Oh, buddy, that's legit. Like losing your job. Let that's like losing your middle manager position at a fucking software company. It's he's feeling that. Yeah. Him and that handsome dog of his. Enough about our friends. Check this out. I want. This is the whole reason I wanted to do Billy Gunn in the first place. They are feuding with the Nation of Domination. The Nation of Domination is uh, based on the uh, black militant organi- uh, based on a black militant orga- organization. The Rock is. If this makes any sense, they do n- do not really know the Rock is funny yet. Who do they think is funny? Triple H. Oh yeah. So. DX does an impression of the Nation oh, of Domination, yeah. which leads to so much blackface. Billy Gunn and the Road Dog are kind of in blackface. X-Pac is in blackface and does a 1930s black person cartoon voice as an impression of Mark Henry. Triple H, because he's smart, is not <laughs> really in anything. Also, because he's smart, Triple H doesn't even 
attempt to do an impression of the rock he just says i pooped <laughs> like that's <laughs> triple h's entire impression of the rock is that he pooped a lot <laughs> and then i pooped what is interesting by the way of the nation dx feud is i cannot figure out what started it it's basically just one day they're like they're the two groups they don't like each other essentially what it was is vince mcmahon i guarantee said well some of them are black the other ones are white they don't like that Go ahead. And they've had to not put that on television because they're like, well, that's a way to get sued. It would be like if you saw black militants and skateboarders getting into a fight and you were on the skateboarder side somehow. Um, I would be on the skateboarder side, by the way. I like to ollie and I like to 450 splash, but on a skateboard. I'm a real fan of the... (laughs) That's a skateboard. I'm a real fan of the birdhouse line of decks. There you go. I love uh, Hurley. I'd walk up to the skateboarders and be like, a girl I fucked was once on the back of a skateboard, and they would be like, cool. Hey, guys, I love Spitfire and DC Shoes. Yo, guys, I used to hang out at Top of the World in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. (laughs) Let's be cool. Do you guys want to get some uh, iced cappuccinos and sit outside of a West 49? (laughs) Hey, you rad dudes, you want to go stand ramp and talk about girls? clothing <laughs> let's do let's let's uh do that to people that's your bachelor party um, yes it is we're gonna walk up to 15 16 year old <laughs> skateboarders and go what's up rad dudes also we have to go to west 49 and buy the most obnoxious things and we'll just insist that we're 15 but we want to score some of that sweet yeah, we pot can just have frosted tips and just have someone with the stereo, stereo <laughs> playing Butterfly by Crazy Town. Yeah, you guys into cool... That's really good. Cool jams? Butterfly, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I bought my, uh, my, bo- my Walkman needs new batteries. Also, do you guys know where I can score any shrooms? Uh, I'm looking shred, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is illegal yeah, still here. It's illegal at my bachelor party world. Anyway, they have their fucking feud with uh, the nation, which is basically just, yeah, it's blacks v. whites, prison rules. Um, also through this, uh, they, they stage the invasion of WCW. The outlaws say this is Vince Russo's idea. Triple H claims it's Vince McMahon's idea. Um... Of course he does. Also, this is Billy Gunn is really starting to get into pills. You can tell because he starts to get more gaunt and his voice gets a lot more hoarse on promos. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just basically say there was no inherent date. The WCW invasion by DX, I just remember like, oh, these are good promos, but I'm not that excited by it. Everyone else sort of remembers it as like, oh, what a gr-. like I, the WWF likes to pretend like it's a great moment. It was crazy. I mean, for me, it was crazy. This is definitely one of the standout moments from my childhood watching wrestling because you honestly thought they're at the WCW building. Is someone from WCW going to come out and confront these guys? Because they were all worried about Ming coming out. And according to Bruce Pritchard, he said if Ming was supposed to come out, then Pritchard would have just ran at him. And hoped that Ming didn't, like, twist his head off his body, essentially. Because they were just assuming, okay, you have to be ready to be beaten to death by Ming. Like, that's what everyone was thinking. Which is insane that they were still like, no, DX will do it. Why don't we just get Bradshaw to do it? I can't believe I'm going to say this. I recently met Ming in Las Vegas. Yes, you did. I cannot believe that man. Like, he is such a nice man. 
The idea he's intimidating is so much scarier. The idea that he's bitten a nose off someone is even more frightening than he's just a nice man in a Hawaiian shirt. Be, just talking about, like, everyone have a good breakfast? <laughs> like, you're like, that guy? That's the scary guy? That's how you know you're like, oh, he'll fuck you up? Well, this is referenced in a movie called The Goon, but there's a guy who played hockey named George LaRocque who led the league in penalty minutes for, like, a decade straight. He's a very large man, and when he would fight people on the ice, he would say good luck, which was a nice man, just a very nice man. You go, hey, good luck. Which is so much more terrifying. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna die. I know three hockey players off, four maybe off by heart: Sidney Crosby, Wayne uh, Wayne Gretzky, Marty McSorley, George Larocque. Those are the four. And George Larocque, I also he also uh, he also shook hands with a referee one time when he got escorted off the ice. I think it was that him. He got a score off the ice. He got escorted off the ice by a referee, and he shook the referee's hand as if to be like, "I deserve that." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He No, he was very cordial. He was just like, oh, it's part of the game. Sometimes you have to make a guy forget yeah, his kids. Part of, part of ice hockey is making sure uh, the someone in different colors in terms of shirt bleeds from the fucking brain. Although, although I did orphan his children, I will adopt them because I'm yeah, a gentleman. Here's the thing to remember about kids. As long as they have a dad, it doesn't need to be the one that provided the seed. <laughs> That's actually a really... Really good thing to say, John. Yeah, but what you don't know is George LaRock kidnapped a lot of kids. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everyone has their, uh, what do you call that, uh, foibles. Here's the best part is, by the way, WCW um, sued the WWF over the invasion. Um, th that means a judge had to watch Road Dog in a bucket hat with dreadlocks coming out the top because he cut the top of it, not understanding what a no trespassing sign was. Yes. And um, they did hold everyone back because basically the lawsuits and it's Ted Turner and everyone forgot that like cause in their territory wrestling mind, everyone thought, well, they're just going to get Ming to come out and he'll stabs everybody. But that is they're just like, no, we'll just get lawyers to stab you with logic. Well, that's the other thing is like you can't if I just start hanging out at the back of Home Depot the dudes from the stockroom don't get to beat me up, even though there's, like, a no trespassing thing. That's very funny. They're completely correct. Like, completely correct in the way they handled it. Because they're just, well, we went to WCW and we did something stupid. And the only reason this thing is played up is because it's the one time the WWF did something like this versus WCW doing it, like, every single week. People forget TNA did this too, where they had, they filmed in WWE catering or some shit. They just went to catering and a bunch of guys filmed and no one remembers that because like, who cares? No one cares about this they kind of stuff. They went way further, by the way, which was Kip and BG James when they were the Voodoo Kin Mafia, which we'll get to in about four episodes. And they just screamed at Michael and Paul to come out and fight them at the WWF headquarters. And they put it on the TNA website and acted like... They went to Vince McMahon's house and punched Linda in the fucking head. <laughs> Which is cool and good. Um, so, it's they do the invasion. What's the one thing that I don't like about the invasion is it doesn't lead it to anything. It's just like they do it. It's like, remember this? That's cool. All right, see ya. Well, I mean, it's a standalone thing because you can't do anything. The, the characters, the DX characters were essentially like, oh, these guys are just shit disturbers. What wacky, zany things are going to get they're going to get to do? Because... 
they do the impression of the nation of domination then the corporation founds and they do an impression of the corporation but of course the corporation is more of a top end heel unit than the nation of domination was um but they're kind of giving like they're all upper mid card everyone really likes them they're really still over and this is a point in Billy Gunn's career that he says he stopped being able to really like enjoy his life just like out in the public because people would hassle him for autographs all the time. And at this point, they start to think Billy Gunn is really over and they've always liked Billy Gunn. So they don't split up the New Age Outlaws, but they start doing singles more and more. And that is where we're going to stop this episode. And next week, we'll have the singles run of the one, Billy Gunn. Thank you very much, Dylan. All right, best thing about uh, the New Age Outlaw or Billy Gunn at this period of time? Oh, Billy Gunn, I mean, clearly, um, it's that he found his role, and this is the high point of his entire career. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, also, he... um, They established the formula for tag team wrestling moving forward. Which is the exact same as the formula has always been. Um, uh, Road Dog gets hurt. Billy Gunn runs in, beats the shit out of everyone. We move on. But Road Dog or Billy Gunn does the hot tag better than anyone I've ever seen in my life, and it's the exact same every time. Yeah, leap over the top rope, run at the guy, punch, 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 hit the other guy, punch, 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 punch. snap to the uh, ropes, clothesline, some sort of suplex, some sort of pile driver, Faymaster, pin, still the world champions. Yeah, and the I think the worst thing about him is his. I mean, he got to the point where he was so reliant on Road Dog doing all the promos, and backstage promos weren't a thing. Where what what I mean was during the '80s, even if you weren't good at talking, like Animal was in Legion of Doom, Hawk would do the heavy lifting, and then Animal would at least say something. Billy Gunn didn't have to say anything. By which I mean, like in that Nation of Domination sketch we talked about. Um, everyone touches the microphone except for him in China. He just stands there kind of looking like the Godfather. He's just doing blackface completely silently. Even X-Pac gets lines. They never do anything with Billy Gunn. So this kind of weirdly is like a point in his career where he could have got better on the mic, but he just never did. I don't think he needed to. It's one of those things where the, this is also very much an establishment of the dynamic of the New Age Outlaws that they are best friends. Like It's the weird thing. It's like... We're super best friends and we're the champions. So they know each other. If Billy Gunn got better on the mic, that's the end of the New Age Outlaws because he's six five and he looks like he's built. So you know that they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's fucking stacked. Yeah, they see him as the star. But the weird thing is, in this period, more than any other period in wrestling history, Road Dog is the star because. He's the guy who does the promos, and the mat in the the entire program is all promos now. And it's not like Billy Gunn is like a super crazy good worker. He's like a good wrestler, but like now you're looking at guys like the the people in the WCW Cruiserweight division are starting to come over. As of the time where they start putting Billy Gunn in singles, like in '99, they start like Benoit's coming over, Jericho's coming over, obviously Eddie Guerrero, all these guys who are super high-end workers, and Billy Gunn is, like, good for 1998 WWF when they had, like, X-Pac and a bunch of spare parts. He's a good attitude-era worker. He's like, what are your moves? I, um... 
I do a clothesline and then I talk about tits for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hire this man. Yeah, I point to my butt and then I get stunnered. <laughs> um, worst thing about Billy Gunn in this time period, Dylan, go ahead. Oh, that's what I just said that he, his promo skills stayed pretty shitty. What's the worst one for you, you, I you John? I segued into that. I didn't hear you say worst thing. Um, so fucking speak up. How about you stop fucking starting? Worst thing for Billy Gunn for me, his little headband that he ran, he wore at the beginning of the New Age Outlaws um, run, I really didn't like. I, he was just wearing a weird ha- that weird hair tie thing that was of the early 2000s, that thin wire thing that was like halfway up women's heads. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. I think he's any annoying bullshit that he put on was great. Like I think the the way he dressed and how he dressed like such a fucking weird asshole was one of the better things Here's about him. Here's also something I've noticed about Billy Gunn is anyone who's towards the top of the company not a big fan of his. Shawn Michaels not a big fan. We're going to learn uh next he week. He was a threat. He was a real threat. Like this, this period we're going to talk about next week is like this is when he was a real threat to take somebody's spot because they he won the King of the Ring. Yeah, The Rock, by the way, fucking sabotages the whole thing pretty quick. Yeah, The Rock murders it. Like we'll talk about it all next week, but The Rock absolutely destroys yeah. his push. And we'll pick that up next week. Uh, this is Billy Gunn's singles push. Will Billy Gunn? Let's just let's just pretend that you haven't seen the last twenty years of wrestling. Will Billy Gunn become WWF champion? Well, you'll learn no. next week. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, let me just qualify what Dylan said, by the way, before he does plugs. Uh, if you think WWF Champion is pretending to be of a different sexuality for a year, I think you're in for a real surprise. That'd be episode four, then, because this is only episode two, baby. Oh, my God. I think we're going to get to seven parts of Billy Gunn. Fuck me, Dad. Hopefully we do ten. It'll be the first time we really actually look at and talk about a just TNA run and try and understand what happened. Oh, no. I'm excited. Follow us on... Sorry. There's going to be multiple parts of the TNA run. Yes, there is, baby. All right. Do the plugs. I'll see you in hell. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestler Review. You can find us on Facebook, The Wrestler Review Podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, we have parts one and two of our Jimmy Snooker killed his fucking wife preview. That's on Patreon, patreon.com backslash wrestler review, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. We'll have part three, the part where he murdered his wife, maybe, wink, wink, uh, on later. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. Oh, you didn't know. Dylan God's about to go pee outside!